Hello friends, welcome to the show. I'm Tom Broback and my guest today is Tori Karsten. Tori's unique in that she's both a sports performance coach and a field hockey coach. I learned so much about the world of field hockey in this episode and I hope you do as well. Tori is an inspiration to me in the way she attacks her day and helps athletes overcome their perceived weaknesses and fears. Make sure you follow Tori on Instagram, at trainatori. Let's go on to the show. And I'm sure in, 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 uh, like coaching sports as well. Like there's a million ways to teach a drill or to win a game or to create a program or to, you know, like do well in the playoffs. You just got to find what works well for you. And yeah, I think too often we try to, this is the only way is my way. It's like, that doesn't, I, and I've been guilty of that. That's why I say it. Yeah, no, I think we, I think we all have. Cause it's like, you almost want to have like right. that proprietary like information. It's you're like, no, this is the way and it's going to work this way. Yeah. But, you know, it's even, yeah, with coaching, like I've got some assistant coaches that are from the East coast, the terminology that they have on certain things. She's like, Oh, have you done X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) And she'll explain the drill. And I'm like, Oh, and I say like some stupid, I don't know, name for it. And I should, I shouldn't say stupid. It's just like a a, a completely different, you know, name for it. And it's the exact same drill. So I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, and everybody learns differently. Like I'm someone I have to learn by doing like today, I just posted a run on a treadmill that I literally made up while I was running because I didn't want to run straight for one hour on a treadmill. So I was like, Hmm, let's see if this works challenging me. Um, versus, you know, some people want to read a book and they can, they can answer it. And that's what my current high school kids right now too, like the level of like knowledge that they have. And like, they have to test into these schools that it's just the way that they learn is so different than mm-hmm. other, you know, and, and I'm a very, like, I was such a passionate player that I was like, I would do anything and everything. My coach said, like, I would never goof off. I was just so straight laced with it because you had to be that now, right, right now I'm like, what do you mean? You don't want to go play division one. What do you mean? You don't want to play in college. Like, so it's been a very big learning lesson in how I coach the kids too, that just don't have, a drive to go beyond high school sports, right. which is crazy to me, but. And I'm similar to you in the fact that I was a rule follower. Like I really stayed in between the lines, like the rules, the rule. And I, like, I was on the pretty straight and narrow, but I think a lot of athletes, not a lot, many athletes, <laughs> be careful of my words here, many yeah, athletes right. and sometimes even the best athletes aren't rule followers. And it's not a bad thing because you don't get to a point where you are a professional athlete and you're not a little bit delusional about how good you are or how far you can go or how hard you need to work. And I think sometimes I struggle with relating to other athletes and coaches who are not the rule followers, but because they're not rule followers, it allowed them to succeed. And I've tried to learn from that because again, not, there's not one right way to do it. Mm-hmm. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think too. I mean, even in the simplest terms, relating it back to like field hockey where you're like, well, don't take a shot there. And then someone takes a shot scores and you're like, okay, well, I just said <laughs> <hate> my words. <laughs> I'm like, Technically you're not supposed to do that, but that worked really well. So congratulations. Good job. <laughs> so, right. yeah. I mean, I think that that's, 
I think, I mean, to, to one of the, the thoughts of, of challenges too, is like, that I think is one of my challenges just in life and in coaching is that I am such a rule follower that I like, it scares me to go out. So I'm always asking like, well, how do I do this? What do I do here? Well, what we don't do this. Why do I have to do this? Well, what happens if this person can't do this? Like needing to like know the answer instead of finding the answer has been mm. challenging for me. So it's, sure. it's been, it's been interesting, but it's also something I've always known too. It's like, I can set, for example, like two years ago, I set a 5.30 half Ironman goal for myself. I had no idea what time anything was going to work out in. And then I finished it in 5.29 and I was like, wow. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And my first thought was like, A, like, holy cow, that was hard. And B, like, well, yeah, of course I should have done that because I set a goal for myself. I should achieve my goals. And I'm like, Tori, are you insane? Like, (laughs) it's the first time you've done that. Um, versus like for my athletes, when they've got small successes and stuff, I just celebrate the heck out of them. Like, and they love it. And it's that difference. Like it's the, you know, I I have this expectation for myself and then the expectations and the rewards for my kids are more fun to celebrate. Cause I'm like, Oh, you worked really hard for them. I'm like, why is that? Why can't you celebrate that for your, you know, for yourself? So that's, I mean, it's something I'm definitely learning to do too. But again, being growing up, just always having goals and always having these like next bars and expectations. It's like, well, why wouldn't I get there? Because I have to work hard and I have to do it. Like it it just never dawned on me that it's like, you didn't go achieve something because Mm -hmm. you put everything you could into it. So, um, I struggle with goals because growing up, it was, everything was like an extrinsic goal. And it was had to be like so specific. So like if you're training for a triathlon, of course you do 5:30 because that's a specific goal. It's measurable, um, and it's easy to know if you got it or not. But I've, I've yeah. started figuring out in life when I hit those extrinsic goals, it's just like a checkpoint. It's not even. I don't even like feel. But it's like what's next or cool. I did that. Like what's what am I doing tomorrow? Um, but I think it's harder for us to set intrinsic goals and really challenge ourselves with things like I'm going to show up every day to my workout with a positive attitude and like full Mm -hmm. energy and things like that, where it is harder to do. It's, you know, it's relatively easier to hit a certain time frame than Mm -hmm. bring the energy, bring the effort, help someone else and do those like daily things. But I think where it's more rewarding if you can hold yourself accountable to those more intrinsic goals uh, throughout your life. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I mean, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, I even think about trying to like meditate or read, like I'm not a reader. Like I would rather go for a walk and listen to a podcast. Like that's right. that to me, that's relaxing. It's going on a long walk where mm-hmm. people are like, you need to sit your butt on a couch and do nothing for a second. That's not relaxing to me. Right. Um, so like those, yeah, those are so much harder goals for me to to achieve is just something that's like, it's, that's not measurable. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, like mental health, for example, it's like, that's technically not measurable. Like, yes, you can figure out how you feel day in and day out, but like that, that to me isn't, but I think too, it's part of, I think one of the things that I reflect back on is being an athlete too is, and I, I just, you know, put something up about this on my, my Instagram too, is that getting upset that I'm not as fast as I was before. And it's, 
understanding that your value isn't what you are as an athlete. It's not how fast you are. It's not the times that you do it. Whereas from, I don't know, like being a young kid until through college, after college, being a trainer, it's like those numbers are what you get rewarded for. They are what you get seen as. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard to not just look at yourself. Like I just had a freshman. um, I mean, I watched her one mile race and she was, she just held her own pace for the first three laps. And then the fourth lap, she just started knocking girl after girl and had like a dead, you know, runaway. And my first message to her was like, Hey, I'm proud of your work ethic and and you holding your own instead of rewarding, like you just ran so fast, you know, like, of course she wants to run fast. She's, I mean, she ran like a 523 mile, like something stupidly fast in my mind, like (laughs) so fast to me. Right. Um, And, but being more aware of how I reward verbally the athletes, it's not like, oh, you did a great job because you ran fast versus, well, if you didn't win, I still think the way you ran that race was awesome because you held what you were, you were your pace and then you pulled away. It was like the work behind it versus the result of it. And it's just this total mind shift. And I even did it at one of my field hockey practices the other day is the kids were doing a shooting drill and it was just kid after kid after kid saying like, Oh, that was a terrible shot. Or like just being so negative after their shots that I just stopped everybody. And I don't know what came over me, but it was this overwhelming, like, Holy cow, they're so negative on themselves right now. So I brought everybody in and my, my assistant coach was in there too. And I was like, I was like, you guys need to take a pause real quick. You are all talking so negatively to yourselves after these shots it's practice and you're trying something new. Like you need to cut out the negative. Like if you want to do something, be, you know, constructive, be like, okay, well, maybe I hit it off my foot wrong. Maybe my hand placement was wrong. Find something to be constructive about it and and to be able to fix it versus like, I am bad. I did a bad thing. Like, Oh, sorry. You know, it's like, yeah, everyone's going to mess up. And then my assistant coach (laughs) chimed in. She goes, and that's for life too, you guys. And I was just like, yeah, it is. And, you know, if if I were coaching 10 years ago, that would not have been my mentality. Like coming fresh out of college, actually college was more than 10 years ago, but I (laughs) I was like, wait a second, (laughs) time out. It's it's harder. It's harder to lie with the internet age. Now kids can look up like when you went to college and it's all this stuff. These, these stories get, uh, it's harder to fabricate these stories now. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Except for I did go watch the Northwestern field hockey game. And one of the, one of the girls was like, Oh, are you a recruit? I'm like, Oh honey, no, <laughs> I'm way out of college, but thanks. I'll take it. Yeah. appreciate um, it. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's, it's just so much growth and it's, it's, it is that intangible hard work that I've had to do, you know, outside of the fitness realm of like, okay, who are you as Tori? Not, the field hockey player, not the division one athlete, not the best player in Illinois, like not, you know, the, the strength and conditioning, like who am I outside of that? Right. Um, you know, and, and what attracts people and, and, you know, this dad that I'm working with his daughter, that's going division one soccer this year, he on the phone was like, I just love your energy. And I was like, that's fair because I yeah. am passionate about what I do. And it, it, I can't hide that, which is, you know, a good thing and a bad thing. You know, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So it's like, if I'm passionate, positive, 
it's all in. And then, you know, if I'm upset on something, you know, you probably know that too, but um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 for me, I think that one of the different differentiating things of my coaching style, it's like, I, and I've told my girls, like, I am going to push you really, really hard, but you better believe I will be the first person to congratulate you, to back you and to stand by you. Like if you are working hard, I will be your biggest cheerleader. I will also push you to be the best athlete you can be too. And, you know, and it's buy-in like the kids, I could say that from here until, you know, the next 50 years, but if the kids don't buy into it, if they don't feel that from me, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna believe it. Um, which has been interesting to be able to have some of these girls do strength and train strength training with me and right. then play with me, or they've played with me and then they've strength trained with me. And it, it's funny how they, you know, have interacted differently with me. Cause, and I told them that I was like, guys, I wear different hats. Like my coach Tori on the field hockey field is going to be different than, you know, training coach Tori in the gym, which mm-hmm. is different than group fitness training Tori, which is different than the person who I am necessarily outside of, you know, everything too. Um, which, you know, again, people only know you by the interactions that they have with you in a certain setting. Um, and people are so much more dimensional. It's something I try and work on, you know, as a coach too, I, I've had them fill out, you know, what's one thing that you wish an adult, a teacher or a coach knew about you. And there were so many of my kids that were like, I don't get things right on the first time. It takes me a long time to understand things. I'm a perfectionist. And like, I went in and I pinpointed some of the kids. Cause I'm like, Tori, you can't hound down on this girl because right. she's just going to go in her shell. Like she won't perform for you. Um, versus, you know, one, one girl saying like, I, you know, I thrive on feedback. So I'm like, cool. I'm just gonna, you know, if I need to, I know I can push you a little bit harder and it's just, it's, it's fun to see that and to change that because I think you get the buy-in from the, from the athlete too. Um, if they can understand that you're trying to reach them in a different way than just being the coach that they thought you were. It's really hard for an athlete to admit to a coach that they have a weakness or something they struggle with that is not, it is related to the sport or the activity, but it's not directly apparent. So you can obviously tell if someone um, isn't the fastest person out there or if they're not the strongest person in the weight room, but when they have to tell you like, hey, I don't pick up things right away. I need a practice or two to catch up. That in the athlete's head, it goes, this might be an excuse for them not to play me or to not like me or to put me on a different team. But it seems you found a way to reach to your athletes. Like, hey, I'm open to hearing you and working with you to work on some of these struggles and weaknesses, perceived weaknesses that you have in order for mm-hmm. all of us to get better. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that starts with being vulnerable as a coach too. Right. And, you know, after one of the games I told him, I was like, guys, I didn't coach that game. Well, like that was on me. I I'm sorry. Like, this is what we could have done better. Right. Um, and just saying that like, no, I'm not going to be perfect either. Um, but I think also allowing them to have email access too, for them to be able to email it versus directly say it to me. Right. Um, and, and in turn, like when they email it to me, have a response, have like, thanks for sharing that. And then be relatable as well in whatever way I can. Like some of the kids, you know, talking about being perfectionist. I'm like, yeah, I totally understand. I am too. 
blah, blah, blah. You know, if there's, if there's other things you need to talk about, let me know. Um, and then just being able to not just end it there, not ask a question and get an answer, but like be able to play it through, through the end of season. And I had to tell one of my kids that was just panicking about the two mile run test, you know, we, we had to do, um, she was just worrying herself. And I was like, you know, I, I just told her, and I'm, try, I'm trying really hard not to use names because I'm sure some of them are right, right. We don't want to put any on. That's not the so, podcast for that. Yeah, no. So you know, and I and I just told her, and I, I would tell any athlete too. It's like, yes, we have to have tests as coaches, whether we're strength performance coaches or a sport coach. Like we have to have fitness testing. But I also need to see who are you on the field, how are you as a teammate. So like within three days, if you're not coming and and training outside of it like how are you reacting to emails are you there on time are you leading by example like it's so much bigger of a picture than just your time right i wasn't the fastest in high school i'm faster now than i was in high school like i was awful at running sure. in high school but like my work ethic would overshadow that par none like it mm-hmm. just didn't it didn't even matter like i even remember asking my, my coach in high school i ran i think i ran the mile like seven minutes and like 20 or 31 seconds or something like that. And the cutoff was seven 30. And I was like, well, can I go to the faster group? And she said, no. And I was just like, wait a minute. What do you mean? No. Like I literally was one second away from being in that group. And I think like, it's those small like nuggets that stick with you. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, I was still in varsity, so it, it really didn't matter. But you know, I, I think that that was the biggest piece is understanding that Yes, we have fitness tests that we have to do, but who are you as the athlete? Well-rounded, not just based on your time, again, which is a huge determining factor for sure. I think a big indicator of success uh, or future success is how do you do when you are forced to do something that you either don't like or you don't want to do or you're not very good at? Like what kind of effort and energy do you bring there? And it sounds like, with your athletes, sometimes they don't want to do that, but you're going, you're not going to judge them if they run a slow two mile, but you might judge them if they goof off or they don't give any effort or they're bringing their teammates down because that's an indicator of how they are as a person, as a teammate. And you want to see those positive qualities reflected in tough times and not just uh, more negativity brought on by difficult circumstance. Oh, hundred percent. And I, I tell the kids all the time. I was like, I don't care if you lose the ball. It's what you do after. If you stop right. after you lose the ball game over, you're coming off the field. Right. If the, you lose the, double the ball, error, you, right. hundred percent, hundred percent. If you lose the ball and you get back, even if you don't get the ball, when you drop back, like it shows me that you care. And I've pulled kids off the field before, because I'm just like your teammate, you're failing your teammate. Like I talk about communication. I talk about accountability um, and trust within the, within the team. And like communication is huge for me. Like it is definitely the number one, um, and accountability. Like if you can't be accountable to keep that ball or, or drop back, if you lose it, you're, you're off the field. Like there's someone else that wants, wants that spot, um, and is willing to, to play for it. So one thing I really struggled as an athlete was holding other athletes on my team accountable when they screwed up or didn't do something right. I was really good at holding myself accountable, but I was always having a tough time with doing that with my teammates. Do you have advice 
for other athletes or coaches who have a tough time with that issue too? A hundred percent. So I'm, I'm actually glad you said that because I tested this out this year. So this past year I took over as the head varsity coach at my high school. Um, again, under COVID circumstances, the most challenging time to take over as a head coach, but if you survive this year, you can survive any year. That's, that's what I said. I was like, you know what, this, this is good. Um, but I, I did a team bonding, um, just activity at actually at my gym in the backyard with the kids. And we talked about that because I talked about how communication is one Mm -hmm. of my biggest values. And, and the team decided it was one of their values too. Um, you know, the thing I, I tell the kids all the time is what happens within the field hockey field or soccer field or whatever field that you're playing on, right? Mm-hmm. That's what's happening on the field. Right. When you leave those lines, you leave it. And it's hard. It's hard. But at the end of the day, we all kind of, we looked at each other and we, we were very open with each other. It's like, do we all understand that if I'm going to turn around and tell, you know, Beth, Hey, you need to drop back. Like, do you understand that that's not a personal attack? And for girls, I mean, God, it's challenging, but I think we, we actually did a really good job with it this year. Um, but again, I think it starts, it starts from the top too. At at the end of the day, I'm the coach. It's the reflection on me is how my athletes are communicating or how, how they're acting. And if I can, you know, go from, pushing someone on the field and, and giving them constructive criticism and then the game's over and then we're fine. Yeah. I think that leads by example, but I think the biggest thing is, is communication is having all your athletes sitting down and understanding like, Hey, we are all going to be friends on this field. We are all going to be teammates on the field. And I told him, and I kind of laughed about it. I was like, you don't have to be friends off the field. Like you're never going to always be friends with all of your teammates. It's, it's not going to happen. Right. right. It's the same thing in the workforce. You're not going right. to be friends with all of your friends, you know, all the your coworkers, um, but you do have to respect and you you have to trust that your teammates are doing the best for them. And in order to get that respect, you have to push hard, you know, and you have to lead by example. Like if you're pushing yourself hard, you have the right to turn around and say, you know, Missy, you know, you got to drop or you've got to talk or something like that because I'm also doing it. And then when someone says it to you, perhaps even just turning around being like, Oh, thanks for the reminder, right? Like giving that person that just gave you criticism validation for it, being like, hey, thanks so much, right? And not taking that personally. So it's very much a two-way street. Um, but again, I, at the end of the day, I communication is everything. And if it's something's weighing on you, you know, or, and I, and I make the, the girls do stuff by themselves and talk about it when, when someone's like, so-and-so is not dropping. I'm like, okay, well, go, go talk to her. I'm not going to say it. Like she's right. behind you or she's in front of you, you go have it. If you guys can't figure that out, then yes, of course, come to me. But I think you establish that right in the beginning. Like once you've gotten your teams, um, it's not easy to, to give that communication and give that feedback. But as long as it's coming from like, hey, you work hard for me, I'm working hard for you. You can't go wrong. You really can't. Absolutely. And I think if you can teach the kids, if you're going to give feedback or criticism, you need to be able to take it too and not, and kind of separate that kind of like we talked about earlier, separating the role from the person, like your Mm -hmm. role as a field hockey player is not as great today. Like you're still a great person, not talking about Mm -hmm. you, the person, but your role 
you're not living up to that role because of X, Y, and Z. And I want you to do this better. And if that mm-hmm. athlete, if you can both athletes get on that same page, that's when a team goes from good to great. 100%. 100%. I mean, and just yesterday, the NCAA tournament was playing, you know, and UNC took it away again. Right. And, you know, it brought back memories of playing on the field and, and all that stuff too. Sure. But, you know, you do, you watch great teams, how they move, how they communicate, and it's in its body language. And I mean, you got a hundred yards of a field right there. You know, it's mm-hmm. 60 wide, a hundred long, like you have a big space to play. Um, and you, you're not getting timeouts. Like they just changed the rules, um, for field hockey. So we used to do halves and you got a timeout, um, on each half. Now we're doing sure. quarters. So it's 15 minute quarters, okay. um, with little breaks, with little breaks in between. And we actually adopted that at the high school level too. Illinois is a little, slow to catch up like sure. it's huge in the northeast and okay. then california is pretty big with it um but it was it was cool to see because obviously with covid this year we got they were doing a lot of mask breaks so soccer has mask breaks okay um, basketball had mask breaks which ours were just built in at this point because we were doing 15 minute quarters right um which was really interesting because instead of playing the full 30 minutes, like you, you had a hard stop at 15. So it's how do teams can stop and start and communicate. And, right. you know, it's good for some, not good for the other, but it's, you know, it's, I, I'm just, I love this sport. It's, it's so challenging to play. And again, like I'll harp on communication all day long, but with how many rules and, and tactics there are to the game, um, communication is just, it's huge. It's everything. I think as an athlete right now, or even coaches, I think it's easier to get more involved in a more niche sport like field hockey. And the reason I say this is because I saw that North Carolina won the national title. Someone retweeted it on Twitter and growing up, like you didn't have that. Like if Mm -hmm. it wasn't on ESPN or ESPN two, like you didn't know about most of these like lesser known sports. And I think if you use social media correctly, you can follow a lot of good coaches, teachers, other athletes, programs, and make more of a presence known about something that's not going to be the first thing on Sports Center, which is typically, you know, football or basketball or whatever. Would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Do you think social media has helped the sport of field hockey? Yeah. I mean, I think finally, you know, everyone was talking about it. ESPN, you decided to broadcast it. And we're like, yes, sure. give field hockey more recognition like if you didn't watch how many times UNC had to go into overtimes getting up into the games how you know Iowa and Northwestern fought back like yes these are big 10 teams I went you know to the University of Delaware they've won the NCAA tournament quite a few times as well we won it my senior year or we won the CA conference championship my senior year mm-hmm. and you know I was even just talking to a friend I wish this was filmed like I don't have any film of me necessarily playing right um whereas whereas kids now are using social media they've got like their first name dot field hockey and that's how they're sending videos out to colleges now it's not the you know vhs tape like i'm totally dating myself (laughs) but you know you know trying to get clips and stuff um but in that regard like in that aspect being able to watch the game watch like what are, if you're looking to go to University of Delaware, like what are they putting out? Like what 
does it look like they want as an athlete? And then if you're looking to go to that school, you can cater your videos. You can cater some of your gameplay. You know, I just told one of my athletes that's looking to go to division one. Um, and she was talking about the different shots that she has to take and do this and that. And I told her, I was like, we'll take a video of you losing the ball and dropping back and getting it again. And she looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, well, no, a coach wants to see not just the highlight reel right. all the time. Like, what are you going to do if you fail? Like you, you're going to fail on the field. Like you're going to make a mistake. Um, and just to be able to have that, you know, the social media aspect to it. Like I don't have Twitter, um, which I feel like I'm like the only person in the world that doesn't have Twitter, but I'm just, I'm not like a huge social media person. Like my, even my Instagram isn't huge on social media. Like I'm more of an endurance athlete. So no one needs to watch me run on the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm not going to, sure. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put a picture of my watch like afterwards, um, right. but I'll, I'll put pictures of, you know, my athlete, my girls, you know, lifting in the gyms and things like that. But to be able to utilize Instagram or social media in that positive realm is, is awesome for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and even for me, like I can follow Delaware, I can follow, you know, one of my, um, the girls that I, I helped coach just finished her season, her senior season at Northwestern, you know, I was able to watch her and follow her. I was able to go to go to a game. Um, and it does give kids an opportunity to, to like you said, go to a, a niche sport like field hockey, which is growing in the Midwest. Um, right. And it, and it is, it is actually fun because right now I coach with um, a team called rise it's rise field hockey. And you know, the owner, one of the part owners of it, she was actually the JV coach when I played in high school. One of her site directors was actually one of the first girls that taught me to play field hockey. Okay. I'm now one of the site directors. So it's like all of us have played with each other or, sure. you know, it's, it's just a really special sport. And I have some of the newer high school parents being like, oh my gosh, you know, everybody. I'm like, well, it's a small knit. Like everybody knows everybody. You sure. know, if you've been in, in the, feel in in the sport long enough and it, that goes with strength and conditioning right like even in chicago chicago's big but it's not that big in terms of the fitness industry like right most people know what you're doing which which also gives you a really good opportunity like you said to be able to follow those people that either give you new ways of thinking or new ways of approaching you know strength and conditioning and um or coaching and things like that. And like, for me personally, like I, I was watching some of the coaches body language and things off the field, as well as their athletes. And you can see where that, again, that communication or respect comes from. Um, but I, I do encourage, I've, I've encouraged quite a few of the girls to start to put some Instagram profiles up. Um, mm -hmm. and the more, you know, you can get, and you can watch what the teams are doing, the better, you know, you can position yourself in those or know where the coaches are going for recruiting and, and things like that. So it's definitely, it still spins my head, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, but if you're using, you know, using it for the right reasons um, to be able to follow teams that, that you inevitably want to play for right. is really, really, really beneficial for sure. Do you ever struggle with uh, developing your athletes and then taking time and energy to develop yourself, both as a coach and as a person? Is there every time constraints there where you feel like you're way too far right or way too far left with those? 
yeah, <laughs> all the time. It was um, a little kind of a rhetorical question. I could have phrased it better, but tell me like no, what you struggle yeah. with and how you do a better job of that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think that that's, that is the funny part because again, once you, you know, I went from, I graduated, I was in the corporate world for five and a half years. And after that, I was like this. So I didn't do like kinesiology wasn't my background. Sports exercise science wasn't my background. Anatomy wasn't my background. Like what I knew and how I did it was based on how I played and what I was taught as I went along until I realized I was like, I, I needed purpose in my life and Mm -hmm. working in advertising and and helping create commercials, quite frankly, was not doing anything for me. And, you know, the funny part is, is I had always said, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to coach field hockey. And I just, at that time, I was like, I can't do it. I'm not, you know, I don't have time for it. Um, and then just realizing, okay, well, group fitness was the first step. I'm like, okay, that's, that's groups. And then just watching, I get so much more passionate and, and my cup gets filled up based on when I can actually play with the kids, um, or have the kids, you know, lifting and succeeding and watching them succeed. And then I just know I'm, I'd rather be a morning person my evenings, it's like, I need to wind down. Like I'm in bed at like nine 30, like sleep and, and bedtime is like my jam. Sure. So, um, I think I'm still learning, learning it. And I think again, like getting into the industry, I think we all go through this is you have to say yes to everything. You can't say no to things initially. Um, and then honestly, I think COVID the beginning of COVID was the biggest eye-opening blessing to me. Cause that's really when I was, I, when I realized, A, I never want to teach a 5am class ever again in my life. Like that is just not for me. No. Um, and feel hockey needed to be a bigger part of my life. And mm-hmm. it's when I had reached out to the old head coach and I was like, Hey, like I need to take this on as like the head coach. Like I need, this needs to be like my jam. And she let me do it, which was amazing. Um, but I think I, you play with it every now and again. And even to understand, like I'll ebb and flow, like winters are going to be slower for me. And I do have personal training clients. I do have, you know, athlete training clients and those times right. kind of differ. Um, so I think, you know, owning my own business and, and really being like an entrepreneur, I've really kind of ebbed and flowed. And there are times that I've realized like you are wearing yourself way too thin. Like you have to say no, but I think that's part of like my insecurity of feeling like if I say no, someone's going to be mad at me. Or if I say no, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. But so understanding like if my like energy cup isn't full, I'm not going to give my athletes energy. I'm not going to give my clients energy and really understanding like that is the worst negative bounce back that anything could possibly have is that, you know, if I need to take a weekend off, I need to take a weekend off to recharge. Um, and it's a learning process. And I think, you know, again, I've kind of, I feel like I've hit all over the place answering this question, but I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out what the right course of action is. Um, but I know when I have my hands in too many pots, that's when I just get way overwhelmed that it's like, okay, cut it back. Like, it's okay that you're not going to make as much money this time. Like that's the benefit of owning your own business, being an entrepreneur. Like 
I can work more and make more, but I can also take that, that time back if I need it. Um, and, and again, like for as awful and horrible as COVID has been, and I won't disregard that personally for me to have to sit down and be like, what are you going to do out of this? Um, was the reset that I, that I needed. And it was the realization finally, like you can't keep saying yes, you can't do a 5am class and then a 7pm client and, you know, work all day. It's just, it's not beneficial for you. And it's definitely not beneficial for the client because you're not giving your hundred percent effort. You know, I can't give, I'll give my hundred percent effort. I can't give my hundred percent energy. You know, I'll, I'll give what I can, but that might just be 70, 80% because I'm just exhausted at that point. Um, so yeah, I think it's an, it's a learning process. If someone ever says that they, they have it down pat, I I think they're lying. I think also there's never going to be like a life, a work-life balance like that. To me, I don't necessarily see that because also like me going to a soccer game that my, you know, field hockey kids are playing on or a lacrosse game. Like to me, that's enjoyable. Technically it's, you know, still work-ish, but, um, I don't know. I just, I love what I do and I love coaching that I don't necessarily see it as draining unless it's at like 9 PM and then, you know, I should be in bed, but, um, (laughs) you know, sometimes it really is like going and coaching does regenerate, you know, generalize me versus sitting and, and trying to program things. Um, so I'm, I'm very much more hands-on and that's, that is some of the time that I take that I just, you know, I'll jump in and play, you know, scrimmage with them. And again, that also, you know, gives me more energy and passion too. So just understanding like when even my just mental cues that if I'm starting to feel drained, it's like, okay, you got to back off. You got to do something, go for a walk, you know, or, or say no to that or trying to adjust, adjust a time or a client. And I've definitely started to get better at that, but I probably have a lot of work to do. (laughs) Hey, no one's perfect, but it is hard because the more you say yes to things and the more things you do, there's just going to be more of that. Like it never ends. So if you stay late at the office every Friday and you work through every weekend and you work every holiday, there's just going to be more work because you got the work done that you wanted to. Then you're going to find more projects to work on, more books to read, more uh, sessions to train. And Mm -hmm. I think it again goes back to what are my intrinsic goals? What am I trying to get out of this life and these positions yeah. that I hold and these influences that I have? And how can I measure success in a way that I deem successful? Because some people, success to them is spending as much time as possible with their family, with their friends, and that is perfectly okay. And for someone else, mm-hmm. their success might be how many successful businesses can I run at a time? And can I, and and that's fine too, but you have to figure out as a person, what you deem successful. And then you, Mm -hmm. and then the tricky part, and I, I've always struggled with this is finding ways to build your life around that. So you can enjoy the time that you're working, but also enjoy the time that you're not working and be fully present in both situations. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, coming in as a, a new coach too is being someone that that's very much like I want to be it's black or white for me like I'm, I'm right or I'm wrong and and trying to figure out what that 
gray area is like, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. So I did start to, to, at least as a coach, like try to get away from the wins and losses. Like granted it was also COVID. So I was like, I, whatever's going to happen, who knows, like tomorrow we might be done. Um, that for me, like my biggest success, which was validated quite a few times by players and by parents. Um, you know, one girl simply told me that like, I gave her the passion to love field hockey that she never had. And like, of course I start crying. Like (laughs) that, that to me was, you know, because I love the sport so much. I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad you did that. And then, you know, someone else's mom reached out to me and she was like, I'm just so grateful that you were able to start workouts with my daughters and then be her coach. And she just found this new confidence that she never had. And she, you know, started to get our family to work out together. And I was like, that, that to me is success. Like that, again, it's not the wins and losses. It's not whether you made varsity or JV. It's like, how are you feeling? How are you personally feeling stronger or more successful? And at the end of the day, like, even when I, I focus on, again, I'm niche sport and niche personal trainer. Like I work with female athletes, like, and high school female athletes, or those that want to go to college because I didn't have that. And because I know how powerful your mental health can be and your body image can be that, you know, being able to be successful and have someone on your side in the gym or on the sideline as a coach, like they've got plenty of pressures from their parents, from their school, from their teachers that yes, I should, you know, put some pressure on them too. But I also want one of my focuses to be able to be mentor to them, to be able to have them want to come back from, you know, college and be like, Hey, coach Tori, can we go get coffee or can we catch up and, and want them to want to do that because they had success and because they felt something more than just the wins and the losses, because they feel more confident as an athlete before, because they feel, you know, more confident in the weight room or on a turf or track or whatever that might be. Um, and I, I, I'm a very emotional person anyway. So it's less of like, I, I don't, I don't care how much I can squat or bench press. Like my legs are my dad's legs. Like I've had solid muscular legs my whole life. Like I don't want to squat <laughs> Like to be fair. I don't want to squat. I want to move quickly. I want to be fast. Sure. Um, and so kind of to be able to, again, niche onto like, what do those girls want out of the training, out of the fitness and to be able to give that to them, which is an in like a feeling versus an aesthetic. Like they can go look on Instagram for aesthetics all they want to. Like, that's not the coach that I'm going to be like, let's be empowering. I want you to be empowered to, to have your voice too, to be like, Hey, coach Shory, I'm exhausted today. And I'll be like, cool, let's do mobility then, you know, and be able to change that and be flexible. Like I don't need to be the, the hard ass, if you will, like that'll naturally come out as a coach for me, but you know, in the, in the weight room and stuff like that, like giving them the opportunity to feel successful, right? Like, and at whatever weight that might be lifting or moving. And if something doesn't work, you know, adjusting on the fly, not trying to push something down their throat. And I think one thing I do need to be better at is the actual like testing. 
um, and testing them for time for, for certain aspects, just to have measurements on them. And that has been one of the challenges of just trying to get enough kids into the gym because, you know, this school ends at this time, or these parents can drop them off at this time, you know, so being able to get those programs set for them. Um, but I also, you know, I challenge myself to try and figure out what kind of testing will be successful for that specific athlete too. Um, and, and quite frankly, having a smaller amount of kids coming in, like I don't have any more than, than 10, 12, 14 athletes at a time, you know, in, in the weight room and things like that, that I feel like I'm, I'm, I can benefit from that because I can tap into those emotions. I can build those relationships with the girls and knowing that they're going to be a little bit more emotional anyway. Um, and, and hone into, to let them be the best version of, of themselves and, and who they want to be. What are some testing measurements that you think would be, uh, indicators for a high school female athlete that would transfer over to the sport of field hockey? Yeah, it's been, it's been funny because I've been trying to play a little bit more of that. Cause you know, the standard mile test, we've seen that the beat test is huge. Like that's a big metric as much as I don't even want to say that, that the beat test in general, cause I still get, you know, <laughs> PTSD from that. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is a really good metric for athleticism for our sport because it is back and forth. Um, right. the five ten five is huge. I have those, I have them, doing that in their training sessions a lot. Like I had, I had a girl this morning doing a version of it, side shuffles up back and then a turn and sprint. Um, so anything for me, that's going to be time-based and endurance-based at the end of the day, like I tell the kids too, as much as you hate the conditioning and the endurance up front, if you, if that is no longer a factor in your field hockey play or in your soccer play or your sport, then you're in the right position because it's the worst thing to all of a sudden, you know, be gassed out halfway or three quarters through a game that now you can't even have stick skills or you can't even have those skills anymore because you're exhausted. So, um, you know, I do like the beat test. I have started to do, um, the two mile test with the kids. Um, because quite frankly, anyone can muscle through a mile test and you're not just going to be running a mile um, in a game, you do need more than, more than that mile endurance. Um, so for right, for right now with them, we're doing a lot more, um, of like the five, 10, five or some agility type exercises. Um, I think the broad jump is actually a really good indicator for power as well. Cause we are a very leg dominant sport, obviously. Um, you know, how, how quickly can they bounce themselves um, or, or move themselves, but trying to get like a long and dist- endurance run, um, an endurance and change of direction, and then a strict, you know, power, like a broad jump or a high jump or, or things like that for sure. Um, I like those tests because they're they're You can time them or measure them. They're easy to do, especially if you have a, you know, a lot of girls to test at once. Mm-hmm. And they test different aspects of the sport that are important. And yeah. I think when you have all those factors, you can get an indicator of who is either improving and that will carry over to the field or which girls seem like they're training the best. And that's going to transfer over to the field too. And 
that's all that's why we do testing is is this going to transfer to the sport we're playing obviously there's skill involvement like sport specific skill involvement as well Mm -hmm. but as coaches can we figure out what are some like simple easy but powerful tests to do to show that a our training's working and b we can get an idea especially where you have the dual role of the strength coach and the sport coach you get Mm -hmm. the idea like hey these girls are working really hard in the off season. I expect them to fill these roles once the season comes around. Yeah. And in, in the same breath, like I expect me to be able to give them the programming that makes yep. them successful. So right. like, you know, I, I know you have no one to blame, but yourself, nope, but you myself, know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless all of a sudden they're not doing the run, which is also a huge telltale. Like it, it's the same thing, right? Like we talk about like, what's the low hanging fruit, a two mile test, quite frankly, the first time a kid's going to run it, there's, they have such a huge range of improvement. Like most kids that have never really pushed themselves in a two mile test before have the opportunity to at least drop 45 seconds off of their two mile time. Sure. The second time they do it. Right. And that has nothing to do with me. That's just simply them understanding what the feelings of their body are. Right. And then as we get faster and faster, that's where they start to understand, you know, here's why we do some of the fartleks. Here's why we do some of these interval pushes on the track, you know, and your endurance and your short, short sprint, like the short sprint work to be able to get that power that you need. And then the endurance on the longer runs, but also within their programming, it's like, what little nuggets can I throw in? That's quote unquote testing that they see progress. Like who doesn't want to see progress in a training cycle, right? right? Like if, if you're not able to, you know, lift heavier weights in your training cycle, which for some of the kids, quite frankly, like body weight for them at high school level, for some of these girls, like their knees and their elbows look much the same, right? They're, they're either super skinny or they, you know, just don't move well. So for me to load them with weight is not ideal either. Um, so to be able to, to move well with your body weight, and then to be able to give them metrics or exercises that, they see success, you know, granted the last programming I did during COVID, I think I had them do their two mile test every three weeks. So they ended up doing it four times because we had like three, three months of doing it. And that may have just exhausted them a little bit. They were kind of like over the two mile test by the end of it, probably like a beginning, a middle and end would have been, you know, a good change. But again, like, you know, giving them the metric, it also gave me an opportunity to see like who's actually doing it too. Um, but at the end of the day, like most of them had really positive feedback saying like they felt better. They felt faster. They felt more in shape. Like one of the girls, you know, came up to me and was like, thanks. You know, I feel so much better for soccer right now because I just did all that stuff for field hockey. Granted, they went right from field hockey because we did spring this year, even though sure. it's a traditional fall sport. Right. Um, but again, I think that at the end of the day, it's the, how, how am I going to coach them that it's not just running? It's not just conditioning that at the, at, at some point they feel the benefits of it, the success of it. And it's not just, you know, the time on it over and over and over again. It's like, okay, well, how, you know, we do perceived exertion a lot of the times it's like, how, how did you feel? And then I just tell them, I'm like, guys, there are days like last week I was supposed to do a 10 mile run. I stopped at nine. Cause I was like, this is just an awful run. I'm over it. Granted. I had like one mile to go, but, um, you know, and then last weekend I crushed my run, you know, and it's just, there's going to be times that you feel good. And there's going to be times that you feel bad. And the time isn't always 
the best marker. It's how you felt with it. Like if your body's starting to adapt and you feel better, you feel stronger, you know, that at the end of the day is super important for me, especially with the female athletes. It's like, they need to be set. They feel self like their worth, you know, and, and feel confident, not just based on numbers. That confidence is a huge part, especially for any high school athlete. It's really hard to believe in yourself, to know that you're getting better, to know that, you know, if you're going through puberty or you're going through all this, these hard, you know, hormonal changes and, you know, college is on the horizon and family issues and school's hard. It is hard to always have confidence all the time, uh, especially in a sport that is as demanding like field hockey or any of the other sports of coaches that I talk to. Last question before we go here, 2020 was a reset year for all of us. 2021 is a year to implement new ideas, new strategies, new training programs, new coaching philosophies. What are some things that you're excited to bring to the table in 2021? Yeah, I think from the the training perspective is having everybody back in the gym Mm -hmm. um, instead of on Zoom and really continuing to utilize because, you know, I've been able to see the success of single leg exercises, you know, the single leg split squats, being able to use like the trap bar versus, you know, a barbell deadlift um, and try and change some of those lifts for the girls um, and implementing the testing a little bit more. Um, and really being able to have a little bit more structure now that I've got enough athletes coming back and redoing that in the, in the training space, um, as well as with my, my personal training clients, like to be able to give them some tests that are fun and, or show results as well. Obviously, you know, personal training clients, we test and and we have metrics anyway, but, um, in the high school level, giving them more weight with confidence as well. Um, I think in the, in the coaching, just continue to be, to actually to give myself grace that like, I'm not going to also understand or know, or be perfect with, with the coaching and that, and that's okay because I'm going to be able to learn with the girls. And I think that that's going to be the best situation for them too to understand like, okay, we fail and we move on and to be able to be the support system and the mentor and the hype woman at the same time, like I will naturally be passionate for them um, to continue to get their buy-in and to coach and lead by example um, through and through and and really maximize, understand how important that face-to-face interaction is um, and to be physically on the field with them um, to be able to push them in a different, in a different way. So continuing to just, cherish every moment that we have in person and to keep that communication fluid as much as we possibly can. There's a lot to look forward to in 2021 for all of us. I wish the best of luck to you and your girls this year. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. And good luck. Uh, Hopefully we all have a better 2021 than 2020. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's been great.